Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. So with that being said, let's go into Galatians. And I want to simply help you understand one raging battle that's going on in your life, that's going on in my life, that I've been so intrigued with here lately. And it's, it's really probably one of the greatest sociological questions that's in our world. What determines how somebody becomes who they are? A lot of people say, well, you're a product of your environment. You know, the environment, boy, that really, like, like depending on where you are and who influences you, you're a product of your environment. Like, you have all these different sociologists that will talk about how you end up developing. But it's almost like the, the chicken or the egg, which came first type question. Here's what I want us to dwell on today. Are you who you are because of what you do? Or do you do what you do because of who you are? Can I say that again? Are you who you are because of what you do? Or do you do what you do because of who you are? Now, some of you are going to say, the pastor lost his mind. Listen, that wasn't up for debate. That happened long before today, okay? And you're saying, well, you're, not, you're saying the same thing. I'm not. And I'm going to take you, and you're going to need to bear with me, because in the middle of this message, you're going to think I'm leaning one way, and at the end, I'm going to throw you a curb on you and go, oh, my gosh, he got me. All right? But here's another way to put it. Here's the way I wrote it down. I want to make sure I read this correctly. It's a battle between doing something or being something. Like, which one are you? It's a battle between doing something and being something. Well, we were in 21 Days of Prayer. We read through the book of Galatians, and I've been reading the same readings that we encourage everybody to read. And and I got really intrigued with a very, very familiar verse that a lot of you know where we get the fruits of the Spirit. And I've been dwelling on this concept of of am I doing something or am I being something, and and which one trumps the other one? Do I do the things I do because of who God's created me to be, or am I being who I'm supposed to be because of the things that I'm doing? And it just hit me, and I just want to read God's word, and I want to give you a little bit of insight, and then I want to tell you what we're going to do for the rest of this service. It starts in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. But those who are, those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So can I give you a little bit of relief? A lot of you go into life and you, have, you, you say, I'm a grace-based faith person. In other words, I don't work myself to God. I believe that. Salvation is not something that we earn by works. It's something we earn because of grace. But there's a lot of people that say, but if you love Jesus, you're going to do this. And I, well, okay, but I struggle. Like, it's not that I don't love Jesus. The problem is I I struggle. This scripture talks about that. Like, there is a raging battle that's going on in every single person in this room. It's a battle of of the spirit and the flesh. Now, I grew up, I was born in 1974. No comments from any of you guys that, you know, you know, I'll graduate high school in 92. I graduated high school in 90, or college in 97. You know, so I grew up in a generation that on Saturday mornings, you woke up to watch cartoons. Why? Because we didn't have cartoons all the time. 
We didn't have just like, oh, hey, Disney Channel. Like you had them, you, like you can get them on Saturday morning. You could also get them when you got home from school. And you could watch them for a little bit. Well, my favorite cartoon growing up was about a cat and a mouse. And the cat was always trying to get the mouse, and the mouse was always getting away. And the thing that I always get intrigued with was old Tom, right? Because he would get to that point where it's like, oh, he's finally going to get Jerry. And all of a sudden, these bloop, two little cats would show up on his shoulder. And one was the angel cat. No, Tom, don't hurt him. And then the other one was this devil cat. Get him. Eat him. And it was like there was this battle raging. Now, do you say, do you think that that's really what happens? I'm not going to get into that. My wife told me to stay away from animals from now on. But I think that's a lot of times what we're dealing with. Like we've got voices in our head. We got voices in our heart. We got nudges in our spirit. And we're trying to figure out like, like there's this battle that's raging. And I think sometimes we quantitate that depending on what we do determines how great of a relationship we have with Jesus. The better that I act, then the more I must love Jesus. The more obedience that are in my life, then I'm closer with Jesus. If I pray more, if I get into God's word more, if I'm generous with what I have more, if I love people well, then obviously those people have a stronger relationship with Jesus than anybody else. And what if that's just not the truth? What if what you do is not based on what you're earning or what you are, but what you do is just based on the fact that what you're trying to be. I think that's what this scripture's talking about. There is a raging battle that's going on in everybody every single day, and it's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. In fact, I'm going to read for you. Now, before I read this, don't get mad at me. I'm going to read God's word. Now, God's word means exactly what it means. Now, here's what you need to know. This was a letter written to a church by the Apostle Paul that was inspired by God. And I'm going to read it. I did not write it. I did not say these things. I'm just telling you what God said so that you can hear. Now, I'm just prefacing that because what I'm about to read, some of you are going to get offended. And you're going to say, well, it's 2022. Well, very good. Now that we know where we are, and in 2028, this word is still going to be true. In fact, there's two eternal things in this room today that will last for eternity, you and God's word. And so I want you to receive this. Now that I've put you in this major defense mechanism, and you're like, I'm not, whatever he's about to say, I'm not, no, I'm out. No, just listen. Are you ready? Talking about this battle that's raging. Are you ready? We're going to kick up back into verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, I just want to preface this before I dive into this flesh. What he's talking about there is it's not that you don't submit to the law, but it's the fact that you have a bigger authority over your life. Like, because who God is in my life, I adhere to godly laws prior to earthly laws. So there are things that God has put in my life that I am not going to compromise no matter what the government tells me I have to do. 
Well, Mickey, Scripture says very clearly, give to Caesars what to Caesars and give to God's what to God. Yes, but never am I going to contradict God's law over the type of following man's law. So that's what this is talking about. He's also talking to some Jewish people who are in Jewish customs, who have these Pharisees and scribes, and they're talking about circumcision in particular, and whether these Greeks should be circumcised or not circumcised, because that was a Jewish custom. And he's trying to let them know that if you have the Spirit in you, you are not obligated to do whatever somebody tells you to do just because they said that's what you have to do to have a relationship with God. Like now you are under the new law that Jesus established, and that is through a relationship with him. So with that being said, then he gets into this part that you're going to want to punch me. He said, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensualizing, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mickey, if I've done those things, can I inherit the kingdom of God? Through Jesus Christ and accepting him as your Lord and Savior, he forgives you. And he puts your sins, the scripture says, as far as the east is from the west. And not only does he forgive you, this is what's so amazing, when you accept Christ, not only does he forgive you of all the sins from your past, but he also forgives you of your sins of today, and he also forgives you of all the sins you're going to do. But can you accept Christ and continue to live habitually in the idea of what your flesh wants and let your flesh win over the spirit that's in you and think that you're going to inherit kingdom of God? Can I read God's word? Rather than me answer it, can I read God's word just one more time? I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The aspect of do such things is a Greek word that's actually what's called a present active indicative. It's a Greek word that that verb means that they do it now, they continue to do it, and they're not going to stop doing it. And those that live by the flesh and constantly allow the flesh to win and don't do anything to repent, to turn away, and to allow spirit-filled things to be a part of their life, but allow the flesh to constantly win in their life, I'm not going to take the can I read God's word. Here's what God's word says. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who continually, not going to stop, do such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. I have learned in my life that sometimes when I know the gravity of the situation, it helps me to understand the decision I need to make. Like, it, it, it's, a, it's a looking at something and, and evaluating the cost. If I do this, then I could lose this. Oh, man, I don't know if I want to lose this. Example, back in my day, I used to be very risky. I, was, I, I loved jumping off of cliffs if there was water underneath me. And you're like, well, did you check the depth of the water? Did you make sure? Nobody does that. 
all right? We would get up on the cliff, and I'd be like, hey, there's water. I'm jumping, all right? You say, that's not very wise. I'm not talking about being wise. I'm just telling you, like, and, and so the higher, the better. And praying that the water was deep enough was always a thought after I jumped, okay? But to continue to do that and take these risks, at all times, there was a little bit of, like, I'm going to count the cost here a little bit. For example, there was one time in my life that I stood up on a cliff, and I was getting ready to jump, and I was like, nope. <laughs> like, I've jumped off of a lot of stuff that was really high into a lot of water, but this ain't happening. This was a little bit further than, I mean, I was like, this, like nope. Like, and it wasn't jumping off the cliff that I was worried about. It's the fact that nobody knew how we were going to get out of the water once we jumped off the cliff. And I'm going, and I'm not trying to scale back up this cliff. And I, and I wasn't, this is really going to make it make sense, and I wasn't the best swimmer. You're like, well, why are you jumping off the cliffs in the water? Listen, I was 19, 20 years old, okay? You know what that's like. You're sitting by one of them. You know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? And so I, it's just stupid. It just kind of, well, it's not stupid. It, it, it just, I was a risk taker. We grew up with a guy by the name of Evil Knievel was provident in our society. What did that mean for me and my neighborhood boys? Well, we're going to jump stuff with our bikes. We would take the, the shankiest piece of lumber, make a ramp, and then we would start stacking stuff. Stuff like, hey, get the metal dump truck. Get dad's rake. Get the hedge clippers. And you, you would keep, whoever could jump the most stuff was the winner. Well, how'd you get eliminated? You didn't make it. <laughs> and so when you didn't make it, you're out. And you're like, oh, man. And you got up, and you may hurt a little bit, but you're like, you were more hurt that you didn't make it. So, like, the idea of, like, counting the cost, like, like hey, you know, Six neighborhood guys, and, you know, I'm, I'm jumping, like, you know, two Tonka trucks, a rake, a shovel, one of my friends. Yeah, like, we never thought about that. But now at age 47, there's a lot of times in my life that I will go to something, and I literally will say, okay, is this worth it? In Romans, Paul puts it this way. Sometimes it's not about what's right or wrong. It's about what's profitable. I think sometimes in our lives, we hit a point where, where, where we kind of grow up with like, like there's some really great things that we do that were risky, that it's kind of an adrenaline rush. And I, I'm not advocating for that, okay? Please don't go home and look at your, say, that's the reason why. Pastor Mickey says, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm not doing that, okay? But if you do do that, call me. I'll make it with you. But, with, so, uh, but I, I like to count the cost a little bit more. Like there are times in my life where I don't do what God's called me to do because I really don't know what he wants me to do, but I've counted the cost and I know what he doesn't want me to do. Like I know that's not worth it. Like I'm not going to take a chance because I know if I take a chance, I, I could forfeit all of this other stuff. And the other stuff is more than what I'm taking a chance to do. Can I get back to what I was saying as far as the flesh? What scripture just said, not what I said. Is it worth it?
whether it be addictions, whether it be struggles, whether it be your past, whether it be sins that just constantly kind of creep up. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I believe when you accept Christ, it's, it's once and for all. But I also believe that Scripture is very clear that you cannot continually, habitually do these things and inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you. As crazy as I have been and probably a little bit am, the reason why I probably don't need to play softball this year because pastors shouldn't throw bats at umpires. I'm just saying. It's, just, it's, it's a proven fact. I laid it down. I did not throw it. I laid it down. I laid it down at his feet very closely. But there's times where you just got to sit there and go, you know what? This ain't worth it. Like there are two very real places. And then I'm moving on. And one of them we love to talk about, especially when we experience loss, right? Oh, man, heaven is amazing. There's this amazing streets of gold. There's no more pain. It's joyful. You're going to be Jesus with ever. But we don't want to talk about that other word, right? And I just want you to know that today, you need to really count the cost. Because when it comes to your eternal salvation, and where you're going to spend eternity, I promise, no matter what fulfillment you may be getting right now, it's not worth forfeiting heaven over. Now, let me jump back into the message here. That was all just a rabbit trail, sorry. Because he leaves this aspect of the flesh, and then he starts to give us something a little bit more. And this is what intrigued me, and you've heard this before. He says, but the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so, so he looks at these concepts, and if you were to compare the fruits of the Spirit along with the, the fruits or the things that were struggles as far as the flesh, they coincide. He talks about sexual immorality and orgies and different things like that. And in the fruits of the Spirit, he talks about self-control. You see what I'm talking about? Talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things coincide. And depending on what you have in your life and what trumps your life, then he starts to kind of let you know that, you know what, there's an aspect to your life that what you get out of your life is really going to be shown by the things that you're allowing your life to participate in. Go back to the original question. Do I do the things I do because of who I am, or is who I am dictated by the things that I do? Well, can I give you the answer? Keep reading in God's word after the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 24, he says, self-control, self-control against such things, there is no law. And then verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, killed it, dead, done, with its passions and desires. I got to chase another rabbit for a second. Like, I get tickled. Like, like, one of the things that I hear on a regular basis that makes me want to punch somebody, and I know I shouldn't talk about it like that, but I'm just being honest, is guys in particular that make this comment. They'll talk about being married, and they'll say something stupid like this. Hey, just because I picked what I was going to eat for the rest of my life don't mean I can't look at the menu. You know what my response to them are? You're an idiot. 
Like that may be one of the most, what's the proper pastoral word here? Um, that's a poor choice. There's nothing, like really what they're telling me is something they're lacking in their relationship and who they are as a person. Now, guys, I'm not picking on you. I'm just trying to help you. Like for me, I don't have to look at the menu. Why? Because I know what I want. Like, I'm that person that, like, when I go to a restaurant, I don't, I, like, I, I've been there enough that I know what I, like, I know what's good. I know what I desire. I know what I love. I know what I want. I know what fulfills me. So I don't spend time wasting at a restaurant to look, I already know what I want. And after being with my amazing bride for almost 25 years, I ain't got to look at no menu. Why? Because there ain't nothing on there that I want. Because I know where my fulfillment comes from. I know what satisfies me. I know what I crave. It's one of those things, it's kind of crazy to be 47 years old and literally, like, like I, I mean, I, I, I still, pastor being honest, okay, I still crave my wife as much as I did when we first were dating. I have to look at the menu. See, that's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. Let's go back to God's word. I have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. And then verse 25. Here was the whole point of today's message. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. See, the concept that's here that I get so intrigued with is it's a very simple concept. Like, I entitled this message, Keep Stepping. Because the reality is, is I believe the things that you do is a direct reflection of who you are and not vice versa. You don't do certain things so that you can become something. You do things because of who you are. And so what I looked at when I looked at this scripture and what God really showed me, and don't mishear me, I'm not paraphrasing the scripture, but when it talks about keeping in step with the Spirit, what I got in my head is a dance. Like in my life, what am I choosing to dance with? I love to dance. I mean, when you say love, that's a strong word. I love to dance. I don't like the club. I ain't going to the club. I like to dance. All right? He's like, well, would you go to the club? I don't know, call me. Yeah, we'll figure it out, all right? Because I love to dance. And I like the little dances. It's like choreographed, like, you know, like the Cupid Shuffle. and different, Like everybody knows, like, we're all doing the same thing. That goes back for me growing up in Nashville, again, in the 90s, when all of a sudden line dancing came along, and everybody's like, woohoo, and, you know, everybody would do their different stuff, and everybody kind of, you know, doing all these different things. Like, oh, Pastor, you, you shouldn't talk about that, man. I, listen, if, if, if Jesus was here, he would be a country music fan too, and he would line dance, okay? Leave me alone, all right? But it's one of those things that, that as those things are taking place, there's also this other intimate concept that I like even more than like the choreographed line dancing. It's called couple dancing. Now, I only couple dance with just a few people. If I had to pick, my first cup, I'm like, hey, Amy Lou, let, let's dance. But a lot of times, Amy Lou and I will dance, and, and these other three little girls will come up to me. 
named Addison, Ellison, or Brindlin. And they'd be like, hey, hey, Daddy, can we dance? And I'm like, absolutely. Addison's getting to the age where, you know, she's trying to fit. Like, she still wants to dance with her daddy. She just doesn't know if it's okay to dance with daddy. So in front of everybody, Addison, it's okay to dance with daddy. <laughs> but I can remember when they were small. See, when they were small, we would put on a little music and I'd like, come on, girls, let's dance. And, and we'd start and we'd do the little twirls and we'd do all the little things and dancing in the living room and just having, it wasn't like it happened all the time, but there were some times it would happen. We'd put on a little, little other music and it'd be like, yeah, we're going to break it down. So we'd have a ball. But there was these little intimate moments where, where they're kind of dancing and they don't really know what to do. And I'd say, I'll tell you what, just stand on my feet. And I would embrace them. And where I stepped, they would step. And we would waltz all the way around that living room. And we would laugh. And we would giggle. And it's some of my greatest memories. And I believe when he talks about stepping in the spirit, what I picture in my mind, Stepping in his shoes. To let him guide you. You know, Amy is a great dance partner. Why? Because she lets me lead. And we'll laugh and we'll giggle and I'll whisper in her ear, hey, let's two-step. So we'll start two-stepping. I'm like, hey, let's just, whatever we want. I'll pull in a little bit closer and she'll snuggle in a little bit closer. And at no point does she sit there and go, all right, now you follow me. She lets me lead. And we just dance. I got two questions for you. Number one, in your life, what are you dancing with? What are you allowing to get close to you? What are you allowing you to sway to the music? Where are you getting your fulfillment? Second question. And then what's leading you? Do you know why most people struggle with addiction? Because they start a dance where they think they're in charge, and the next thing you know, what they're dancing with is in charge of them. You know how most people end up being unfaithful and in extramarital affairs is because they start dabbling with things and, and they start dancing with things that shouldn't be dancing with. And next thing you know, they go from leading to being led. Do you know why a lot of people are struggling with, with hope and security and what's going to be next and what are we doing and all this stuff with sickness and all these different things? It's because you are strapping yourself and you're dancing this amazing dance called life but rather than strapping yourself to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you're strapping yourself to self-fulfillment. Sexual fulfillment that's not godly. Addictive behaviors that are not godly. Poor relationships that are not godly. 
your own desires of your you are Tom the cat and you're literally got these two little no do this no do this no do this no do this and because of that the things you're dancing with is shaping who you are and because of who you are you do the things you do do you know what some of you guys including myself need to do you need to quit trying to fix the things you're doing and start thinking about who you're being. Quit doing something and start being something. Our staff will tell you on a regular basis, they hear me say that. Quit doing something and start being something. Because if you're being who God's called you to be, you'll do what he's called you to do. In fact, I'll give you one more scripture. You can throw that last one up, Scott. I'll prove it to you. It comes out of Matthew. It's a very, very familiar verse. I'll flip in my scripture. There you go. Good. Thank you. He says, not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Keep going. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do my, many mighty works in your name? Next scripture. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Listen, you can do all the doing that you want to do and storm the gates of hell. Because God's not about what you're doing. He's about what you're being. You know what he said? He goes, I want to know you. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. I'm more concerned with you being something than I am you doing something. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.